I wrote The Power of the Sea, and, and the subtitle, of course, is Tsunamis, Storm Surge, Road Waves, and Our Quest to Predict Disasters. But I wrote it basically to show the impact that the oceans have on all our lives, and in some ways that many people don't even realize. The idea is that when the sea turns its enormous power against us, our only real defense is to get out of its way. But to get out of its way, we have to be able to predict when the sea and where the sea is going to turn that power against us. The book also includes uh, a history, essentially, of how we learn to predict the tides, um, El Nino, aspects of climate change. So it's marine prediction over the whole broad scope of ocean phenomena. This book basically talks about ocean physics, and there aren't many popular books that really are about ocean physics for a number of reasons. It's very mathematical, it sounds like it would be boring, but in fact, ocean physics is the basis for marine prediction, and marine prediction is the thing that saves you from these phenomena. So the idea was to make it a history and tell two kinds of stories and interweave them. The first kind of story is a story of marine disasters, when a tsunami hits, when a storm surge floods hundreds of miles of coast and kills millions of people, or when rogue waves uh, flip over a ship or break it in half. And then the second kind of story is stories of hi uh, historical stories of scientific discovery. One problem with these kinds of books, in trying to explain the science, you don't want it to sound like an academic text. So by showing how the scientists and the mariners figured out how to predict these things, the reader is essentially discovering the science as they discovered it, and it's much less overwhelming. You're kind of getting it piece by piece. And the book essentially starts in ancient times and works right up to the present time. Tsunamis, once they happen, the models are very good to say where they're going to go from there, but because you can't predict the earthquakes, the submarine earthquakes, you can't really predict when the tsunami is going to happen. And for example, in the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami, it was only 13 minutes from the initial epicenter rupture of that fault till that first tsunami hit the northwest coast of Sumatra. And at 13 minutes, nobody could have predicted that in time. And so then it comes down to tsunami awareness, recognizing when the sea starts receding, you better run for the hills and things like that. Um, so I have a lot of work to do on that, obviously, but the, the tsunami warning system um, is, is crucial because there are places where the tsunami will arrive in an hour or two hours, and you have to have that ability to get the people away from the shore. You get the climate change, probably the most complicated, most chaotic, most difficult thing to predict. There's no way to really test it except trying to predict past climates when you didn't have good data anyway. And it's not like in El Nino, it comes every two to seven years and you can say, uh, oh, I didn't do good, so good on that one, let's see if we do better on the next one. Well, there is no next one in climate change. I'm really happy to be speaking here at the Aquarium of the Pacific because I really think aquariums probably are the best method to make the public aware of all aspects of the ocean. I mean, you attract them here with the beautiful fish and they get to see fascinating nature, but then that entices them to learn other things, whether it's about climate or about the kinds of things I'm interested in, marine prediction, and it makes it real. It's, it's not just a, a vague science with a bunch of mathematics. It, 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 it gives them a real feel for it, and that's what makes all the difference between um, them believing it or just, you know, as it's, it's, it's highbrow science and I don't know anything about it.